the series on the earthly life and ministry of Jesus, I've said, was an imperfect chronology of, of his life and ministry. And in the next few messages, that will be even more so. So you, because there are differences of opinions on how uh, the events over these next few hours takes place. Part of the problem is that the Gospels are kind of like a collapsed version. Some will talk about certain things that are important to their telling the story so that it might bring us to faith, and others see other important aspects that might seem uh, more important to get us to faith. Uh, so each of them touches on some of the same things, and some of them touch on different things. And so it makes it a little more difficult to have a precise chronology of what happens. Now, it's going to be no surprise to you. I usually hold the difference of opinion from others. And so one of those differences of opinion is that uh, most are going to believe that Jesus was scourged or flogged earlier in these situations. And I think it's later. And the reason I think it's later is my view of a pilot and how I see that he does not want to do what he's called upon to do. And he gets increasingly desperate. And so he thinks, okay, if I do this, this will satisfy the crowd. And it seems not to. And so I don't think he gets to that point as early as some of the other people who say that it happens earlier. And so um, it's my view. It doesn't necessarily have to be the scriptural view or the correct view. But I want you to know so that when you're reading it, you can come to your own conclusion at the order of it. As we took a look at last time, Jesus had been tried before the Sanhedrin in an illegal trial. It, was hap it happened at night. Uh, they didn't proceed properly. They kept trying to have false witnesses testify. They couldn't come to any consistent story. And so Jesus basically had to come to their rescue and say that he was the son of God. And they said, he blasphemed. Again, there wasn't concern about the truth because if he is the son of God, he didn't blaspheme. And so and they condemn him. And so from that point, we look at John chapter 18, starting with verse 28. So we're going to pick up that. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium. And it was early. And they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. I want to stop there. Now, when Jesus had talked about how the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the scribes had strained at a gnat, but yet swallowed a camel. To me, this is a perfect example of that. For you see, they care about where they are, but they don't care about what they're doing. They're concerned that they might be defiled because they're in a place of a, a person who isn't Jewish. And so therefore, they consider that they might be unclean. And yet what they're about to do seems to have no concerns to them. And so I wanted to stop there because that's something that we can learn as well because there's oftentimes we seem to be more concerned about our location than our activity and so i want to kind of flush that out a little bit by saying 
Remember my analogy of chocolate and broccoli. Now, for some of you who haven't heard or whatever, I'll quickly say, um, rather than using particular sins, if I use particular sins, then you're either thinking I'm talking about myself or I'm talking about you. And so by using chocolate and, and uh, broccoli, I can be generic and I can accept one type of sin and reject the other type of sin and, and talk about it. So that being as it is, as I say, I love chocolate, broccoli, not even not so much, not at all. So I want you to think back in the good old days. 2019. Remember the good old days of 2019 when you could go to a restaurant and you could go eat indoors and you even could go to a buffet. And there was this place where you could buy and you could get salad like a cafeteria you'd pick up and you pick the lettuce and all the other things that you might want to go. Now, I never worried about going to that place because they had broccoli. And so I'd get my my lettuce and a couple of different types of lettuce. I usually pass a lot of other stuff that people love and I'd get some cheese and whatever and there'd be broccoli and I wouldn't even pay attention to it. And fortunately at this place that you would, so because you're supposed to be eating healthy, they didn't have chocolate. Well, they had some muffins maybe, but, but you know, but I could, you know, if you don't go to the muffin party, you could be okay. But I could avoid the temptation because broccoli wasn't my thing. A lot of times we're so concerned about where we are that we're not so concerned about what we're doing. Now, there are certain places, for instance, in my case, if I went to a chocolate store, there would be great concern about me being in that location because in that location, it would render me with temptations. And so what I want you to see is oftentimes we're so concerned about location, but not activity. And here, these religious leaders, and we religious people can be very, you know, we're more concerned about, oh, that, you know, we tap our foot at a wrong song or something, or we go to the movies, or we play cards, or whatever it is that, that people think that's evil or terrible that we shouldn't do. And we're all concerned about those locations rather than the activities. And so I want you to think that in this instance, here they've come to prosecute and have put to death the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now we're going to see briefly in, in another gospel in, in a few moments that not only did they bring him to him, because we'll say here, therefore Pilate went out to them because they wouldn't come inside. So they went out to them and said, what accusations you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So their response is, just accept that he's a bad guy. Because we're telling you he's a bad guy. Now in the other gospel, they're going to say that he did all sorts of things like claim that he was a king and that he uh, didn't want them to pay taxes and all those types of things. Which again, notice their Location wasn't of, was of concern, but their activity, accusing Jesus, for instance, of not telling people to pay taxes. When Jesus specifically said, whose image is this? 
So not only did they not try him on those counts and find a conviction for insurrection, they then accuse him later. So they bear false witness. So even if Jesus isn't the son of God, and he is, they are violating the scriptures because they're bearing false witness. So he said, you know, if he was an evildoer, we wouldn't have brought him to you. Verse 31, so Pilate said to them, take him yourself and judge him according to your law. Pilate goes, if you think he's an evildoer, then you go handle it. I don't want to be involved. And it's going to be interesting throughout this whole ordeal. Pilate is a reluctant participant. He keeps saying, you deal with it. And the Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. Now they're saying, number one, we're not. Now under their law, they would stone him. But they're not allowed to do that because Rome is now in charge. And if he wants a death penalty, they have to be the ones to say so. And Rome executes people by the cross. And Jesus has already said, that's the manner of his death. And so it says, and we are not permitted to put anyone to death to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. And so they're saying, we're, our hands are tied. We want this guy dead. You need to do it. Therefore, Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Straightforward question. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? So Jesus wants to cut right to the chase. Is he asking this question because God is revealing it to him as he discovered this on his own? Or is he just repeating what other people have said? If it's God revealing it to him, then he's coming to know the truth. If it's others, he's just parroting what they're saying. And Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? So he's offended by the fact that he's even worried about who the king is because I'm the governor of this region appointed by Caesar, and that's who my allegiance is. I'm not a Jew, so who you are doesn't concern me. Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? So obviously, at this point, Pilate hasn't accepted their accusations. So he wants to hear from Jesus what it is he's being accused of. It's kind of like going to court, and we're used to the Fifth Amendment that you're allowed to remain silent. It's kind of like the court telling you, okay, we're not going to ask the prosecution to convict you. We want you to convict you. Talk to us. And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. Now this not only is accurate in the sense of that's true, but it is accurate in the sense of Peter just tried to defend Jesus from being taken. And Jesus himself said, not only would his disciples fight for him, 
that 12 legions of angels would come and rescue him. So Jesus is saying, if, if it were my purpose to be here to establish a kingdom here on earth, then my disciples would protect me. My disciples would fight for me. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Jesus is saying, I'm not a threat to Rome because I absolutely don't care about your kingdom because your kingdom is going to rise, your kingdom is going to fall, and another kingdom is going to take its place. And after that kingdom takes its place, another kingdom will take its place. And after that, another kingdom will take its place. And there'll be lots of wars and rumors of wars. And that's just the way man is. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this realm. I'm dealing with the hearts and minds of people. I'm dealing with eternity. My kingdom will never end. Therefore, Pilate said to him, Seal, you are a king. You may not be in this realm, but, but you, you're saying you are a king. So partially what they're saying is true. You claim to be a king. And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. Jesus doesn't mince words. Yep, you're right. I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Jesus, my whole point of being here is to establish this new kingdom. My whole point is to testify concerning the truth. Now, his response to what Jesus says next is interesting. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus, if you're of the truth, and we're going to talk about that shortly, if you're of the truth, then you hear my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Now, Pilate would fit very well in 21st century world, especially in America. Because in our world today, people will say, well, truth is only what the most powerful say it is. They get to write the history. They get to have the newspapers. They get to do whatever they say it is, and the powerful determine what the truth is. There are other parts of our society, the more vast parts, that say the truth is relative. What's true for you may not be true for me. The truth is this somehow subjective aspect of, of what life is. And it's sad that pretty much our culture lives in that kind of sense of, well, what's true for you is not true for me. You, you may need religion. You may need this God thing. And it may be true for you, but it's not true for me. Which is interesting because notice that they take the words and change them. Because truth is truth. It's either correct, accurate of events, or it's not. It's not subjective. And yet, in our culture, we want to make it subjective, which makes it easy because then if I tell you a lie, well, you just misunderstood, you see, because that's truth for me. It may be a lie to you, but that's subjective. For me, it's the truth. 
And so Pilate says, what is truth? And instead of asking the more important question, what do you mean, those who hear you are the truth? Getting down to these, but that's kind of, again, what our, our culture starts arguing over things that are irrelevant than the true meaning of things. And so I want us to go back to Jesus' teaching to talk about truth. And so Jesus, in John 8, verses 31 and 32, says this. And so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him. So he's again talking about those who have come to faith and saying that I believe that you are the Son of God, that you have come uh, from the Father. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Now notice Jesus said, didn't accept. Okay, well, if you're a flash in the pan, oh, you believe now, but you don't believe. There's this continuation in his word. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth. You won't know a truth. You won't know subjective truth. You will know the truth. And that truth will set you free. Now, the truth is not some set of principles that says, well, two plus two is four, and so therefore that's true, and eight plus eight is 16, and that's true, and the sun is 93 million miles plus or minus, and that's true. It isn't a bunch of facts that Jesus is talking about. He says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And what is it they're enslaved to? They're enslaved to their sin. And God has come to set them free from their sins. And then he continues on and teaches his disciples. And in John chapter um, 14, verse 6, it says this. And Jesus answers him, and this is in the context of their, Jesus telling them that he's, that he's going to go away, that he's going to die, and those types of things, and they're, they're confused. And in response to that, because they say, we don't know the way, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, Jesus isn't just a truth. Jesus is the truth. You want to know God, then you know Jesus. You want to know what he has planned for you, then you know Jesus. You want to know what is purpose in life, then you know Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Now, there are a whole lot of people who want to give you opinions and tell you that that's truth. So I'll give you an example. Scientists, and notice I say scientists, I don't say science, because science doesn't say anything. Scientists are the ones who tell us things. Scientists will tell us, that the earth was formed by a couple of objects colliding together and forming into and somehow the moon, either in another collision, formed off. And then other meteors came and gave some like gold and all the kinds of precious minerals. And then all these other comets came and deposited water on the earth and all these things. And that's how, after billions of years, uh, the earth was formed. Sounds preposterous to me. How does water come from that many comets on a hot burning surface? 
So Jesus says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I believe him. Why do I believe him? Because he was there. No scientist was there when these things blew up and, and came together. So there is supposition. They think based on what evidence they have accounted for and discounted, they say this is how it happened because they are so intent on discounting a God. Now, you can believe that the earth was formed by God, but a different God. You'd still be wrong. So you might be right in the sense of, no, it it didn't happen by natural causes. It happened by a supreme being. But the supreme being is the God of the scriptures. And I would rather believe a God who was there than a scientist who will say, well, we believe this is the way it happened until another evidence comes together and then they say something's changed. Give you an example. Now they're talking about maybe life on Pluto. Pluto got demoted to a dwarf planet, not even a planet. They started discounting him. And now they're all excited about Pluto because there might be life there. A few years ago, they didn't like Pluto. Now everybody enjoys it. So again, I'll believe the person who was there, and that's Jesus. And when I do, then I know the truth. I know the fact of who created me, what my destiny is, and how much he loves me. I will know the truth, and the truth will set me free. And he is the way. He's not a way. He's the only way. He is the truth. He is the one that all facts, all reality comes down to. And he is the life. Now, wouldn't that have been a much greater conversation for Pilate to have? Tell me, what do you mean by truth? Instead of just, well, what is truth? And again, I'm saying this because so often we just discount things. Maybe we ought to take what Jesus says seriously, consider it, ask questions, have them answer, as opposed to, I dismiss it because it's relative, or whoever has the most power wins. Well, let me guess what in that instance, Jesus does have the most power, so he wins. So, we're going to jump now to Luke chapter 23. Well, before, we'll jump quickly back to John chapter 18, verse 38b. After this short conversation with Jesus, Jesus stating that he is a king and that his kingdom is not of this realm, Pilate determines he's not guilty. What they have said to him He finds no guilt in this man. So why do they want to put him to death? And so we're going to take a look now at Luke chapter uh, 23, verse 4. But I'm going to jump to verse 1 because it tells us a little more, and then it'll bring us up to date. Then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forgetting to pay taxes, 
to Caesar. Again, as I mentioned before, a lie. And saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Yes, not a lie, accurate, the truth. But you see, they're so blinded by their own interests. They don't care. So Pilate asked him, saying, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, it is as you say. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But he kept on insisting, but they kept on insisting, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching all over Judea, starting with Galilee, even as far as this place. So they're saying, he's an insurrectionist. He wants to just cause an interruption. And you know, as governor, Caesar is not going to be happy with that. So you need to put him down because you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble with Caesar if you don't, because he's just causing problems all over the place. Now in their zeal to get Pilate to condemn Jesus, they make a fatal mistake. At least a delaying mistake. Because they say, all over Judea is starting with Galilee. Pilate, as I said, is a reluctant participant. He doesn't want to be involved. He just now found a reason to stop the proceedings. And when Pilate heard it, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. Aha. Maybe he's not from Jerusalem. Maybe he's from Galilee. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself was also in Jerusalem at that time. So he's going, wait a minute, I don't have jurisdiction here. He's a citizen of Galilee. Herod has been given that authority. Go see him. And it's not going to be an inconvenient because you're not going to go have to go back to Galilee. He happens to be here now. Go take him. So Pilate thinks he has solved his problem. And a lot of us think that if we stop thinking about who Jesus is, we solve our problem. We don't have to determine whether he is the son of God, whether he is the king of kings or lord of lords. We just, well, that's not part of my plans. I'm planning to be X. Planning to have this awesome career, get married to have 2.5 children, live in this large house, so it will be the envy of everything. And that's my jurisdiction. That, that's all I care about, not who this Jesus is and what he requires of me. So it's interesting that as we read these trials that Jesus is going to go through. And next time we're going to take a look at Herod's trial and the second trial by Pilate. That oftentimes we get this idea, well, the facts are Jesus was here, Jesus was there, Jesus was here, Jesus was there. Wrongfully accused, wrongfully convicted. However, it was God's plan. So what are you going to do? Et cetera, et cetera. And yet, even in these situations, we can see where either we are involved, our culture is involved, or traps that we need to avoid.
So yes, Jesus is no longer teaching verbally per se, but he's showing who the world is. And the amazing thing is he never rebukes those who love them. And if we could learn anything from Jesus, we ought to learn that. Is that we will hear people say, well, that's not fair. And we'll respond, who said life was fair? Until it happens to us. And then we say, that's not fair. And then somebody will quote us, who said life was fair? Well, if anybody who has ever was treated unfairly, it was Jesus. He is who he said he is. He didn't do the things that they claimed he did. And yet, rather than saying, it's not fair. He submitted to the will of God because he loves you and he loves me. And because he loves the Father, he was obedient even to the point of death. As they are trying him, as they will later beat him and mock him and ridicule him and later even crucify him, the truth is still the same as it was when he was born in Bethlehem. Emmanuel, God with us. And he has taught us that we, his slaves, his disciples, are not superior to him. And if they treated him that way, what makes us think we will be treated any differently? But instead of spending all of our energy saying that's not fair, we should follow the example of Jesus and either remain silent And in our silence, love them with a love that only God can give because the truth we have seen and we have known and we have been a part of, and he is us because he dwells in us. God is not only with us, God is with us. Even in the times that seem the most bleak, we can see who others are. And we can see who he is. And we can determine what we ought to do. And all God's people said, 